Well, hello and welcome to this week's uh, Photographic Life. Um, I first started looking at reading, buying ID magazine um, back in the very early 1980s. I mean, very soon after it started, actually, in 1980, um, founded of course by uh, the art director at that time at Vogue magazine uh, Terry Jones um, so I've kind of stayed in touch with ID over all those years and in the beginning I suppose I was very much their target audience um, I'm not that now but it doesn't stop me uh, dipping into its online kind of presence and seeing what's going on most of which I don't understand at all and that's exactly as it should be it's not aimed at me However, at the end of uh, 2019, over the last couple of weeks there before Christmas, they started to put out a few tweets um, on photographers, photographers who they felt um, were important enough or interesting enough to tell their readers about the year they'd had, primarily for a series of photographs that kind of documented their year. Anyway, I hadn't heard of any of the photographers. Again, that's as it should be. There's nothing I like more than hearing about photographers I don't know about. Um, so I started to have a look into it. And what I started to find was that there was a certain kind of um, an approach, I suppose, that was common to most of these photographers, which was that it's very, it was very informal. The images were very much, I suppose, if we were to look for a kind of a historic kind of reference point, kind of very much inspired by uh, Robert Frank, although how many of them knew that, I'm, I don't know. But they felt that way to me. Uh, a sort of a Frankian kind of a, an approach to documenting the things around, not worrying too much about... Um, post-production or um, focus or anything like that and and because of that I, I enjoyed an, uh, some of the work not all of the work but a lot of the work what I also started to see was how many of these very young photographers on the whole most of them in their 20s were uh, getting big commissions for fashion brands and so forth so they were working as advertising photographers on the basis of this kind of very informal very personal work Again, I found that really interesting. So I thought, well, yeah, I, I want to hear from these guys. So I thought, I'll, I'll check out their websites and I'll drop them an email and invite them on to the podcast. And that's where the problem came in. They didn't have websites. A couple of them uh, had uh, agency websites and were repped by agents. And when anybody who's ever dealt with agents, as I've done many over the years, many, many times, um, there's always a bit of a blocking going on. So I, I always try and deal directly with photographers. And I couldn't. I couldn't get through to who they were. A lot of them existed primarily on Instagram. And Instagram was uh, kind of their platform. I could, of course, have direct messaged them on uh, Instagram, but I just thought it was kind of interesting to reflect on that. And then it made me think, well, you know, do we need a website? And actually, I think you do. I, it's, I think you need to exist on multiple platforms because it would be wrong to assume that everybody who commissions photography is on Instagram, is au fait with Instagram, is using Instagram all of the time. From an industry perspective... Uh, it, it's really important to be able to go to a website, see a body of work, read about that person, get a little bit of background, a little bit of context for their work, and also be able to contact them directly, particularly if you're trying to get a, a commission together on, on very, very quickly. 
So I just thought it was an it was an interesting kind of reflection there on um, what's currently going on and. Uh, check out idea and maybe some of these photographers as well as i say it was i think it was something like um photographers telling us what their year was like it's something as basic as that but um worth checking out and maybe worth thinking about that idea of website but as i say i think i still sit very firmly in the idea in the camp that it's important to exist on instagram as it is on twitter as it is to have a website almost like as a a foundation for everything else to jump from. Talking about Twitter, something else that I've noticed over the last couple of weeks is, in fact, two in particular, two people who comment on photography uh, quite a lot and through blogs and so forth and are very well established, uh, coming out um, and saying that Twitter is such a bad thing and we should not be using Twitter in uh, 2020. And they seem rather angry. I tend to try not to get angry. Um, and I had a conversation with a colleague, uh, an academic colleague, um, just the other day, actually. And I was talking about um, the use of social media and how I think it's really important for my students to understand uh, social media how to use it, how to use it as a as a really positive tool. He railed at me um, in a very aggressive but very friendly manner that um, he felt that, you know, basically Twitter was the devil and um, Trump was kind of the, the epitome of what tr- uh, Twitter is. I just don't agree with that. And in fact, funnily enough, just before I sat down to record this podcast, I saw uh, a photographer, uh, Rob Law, actually um, posted this on Twitter. Uh, Just a quick word of thanks to the friendliest, most supportive community of photographers, curators, publishers, gallery managers and academics here on Twitter. You're the best. I kind of agree with that. I think it's really about what your expectation is of Twitter and exactly what you're, how you're using it. And how I use it is, is, I suppose, really as a kind of library in my pocket. It's constantly updating me on books that are coming out, photographers' work I don't know about, maybe exhibitions, maybe talks. And occasionally I might um, use it as a marketing tool for this podcast. So many of you listening to this podcast may have come ab- uh, about it, or heard about it through Twitter, uh, my books and so forth. So for me, it's a really useful tool, but I don't really have any expectation of it. But I do recognise that uh, a lot of people see it as a positive community thing. And I think it certainly my impression of how it can be used is in that way. So slightly strange, I thought, for these two photo critics to be quite so angry. But then again, I do sometimes find that these photo critics do seem to feel that there's a need to be angry. As I was talking about in a previous podcast, I like to try and keep a really good broad range of different types of photographers uh, coming on the podcast to talk to us about their work and tell us what photography means to them. And I think probably one of the most forgotten or least heard from sort of areas of work are news photographers. They seem to go about their business in such a a kind of professional way, constantly working with whatever they've got to come up with those images, which so often can be a defining of a time or a place or an event. This week, we welcome Ollie Scarf to the podcast. Uh, Ollie works for Agence France Presse, AFP, and is based near Manchester in the UK, covering news, sports uh, and features across the north of England. 
Following four years studying mathematics at Warwick University, Scarf began his photography career with the SWNS, that's a Southwest News Services agency down in Bristol in the UK in England, shooting pictures for national newspapers and magazines. After three years, he accepted a contract with the Daily Telegraph newspaper in London, and a year later he joined Getty Images as one of their six UK staff news photographers. Working for Getty from 2008 to 2014, he covered international assignments in Kenya, Italy, France, Greece, America, Switzerland, Brazil, South Africa and Turkey. Looking for a new challenge, he moved out of London in late 2014 to begin working for AFP. Scarf's images have appeared in publications around the world, including the New York Times, Sydney Morning Herald, LA Times, The Guardian, The Washington Post, Time and Newsweek. He's won numerous awards, including in 2018, a first prize in the Sports Singles Award at the World Press Photo, a first prize live news in the Press Photographer's Year 2013, and British Press Awards Photographer of the Year and Getty Images European News Photographer of the Year in 2011. I think Ollie's certainly somebody we should hear from. On to the subject of, of what photography means to me, and, and thinking about this, I was caught by the possibility that this could descend into an incredibly pretentious rant so without wishing to avoid that I thought I'd probably just dive straight in and say that the fact that I find photography amazingly um, enriching and something that I absolutely need to do and I was I was drawn to this by when before I started out as a press photographer I'd end up doing work experience and speaking to other press photographers that were established on national newspapers. And one question I'd always ask them would be to say that, do you still take pictures for fun? As in, you know, on holiday, etc. And all of them would say, no, 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 absolutely not. You know, it's, it's just a job now. And I'd feel, feel terrible that, that this thing, which at the time was a hobby for myself, could be potentially ruined by the concept of doing it for a job and then now I find myself as a press photographer and I, I don't take pictures on holiday anymore um, uh, doing snaps I leave that entirely to my wife and that's for the simple reason for that is that um, I end up taking photography far too seriously so that if I'm taking pictures then I'm taking pictures and I'm going putting everything into it and if I'm not then I really don't want to do it because when I come to look at the pictures afterwards, I'll just see how the potential for them that there could be within those images that wasn't achieved because they were just taken in a bit of a hurry um, because we're on holiday, right? So that's kind of, in a nutshell, <laughs> relatively important it is to me. And I spend way too much of my free time uh, looking at other photographers work and thinking about photography um, and there, there is a huge amount of, of imagery out there now I mean you only have to look at the data from the likes of Instagram and, and Facebook and the amount of photos that, that the public are taking and posting um, which is great. I mean, I'm, I'm all for that as it's, I think the general public are way more photographically literate now than they were um, even a decade ago. Um, 
but I think the concept that great photography can can still find its way to the top is there as well and and there's brilliant photographers out there doing great work and it does get published and does receive the kudos often that, that it deserves moving away now probably from the the pretentious side of things about it's about what photography means i mean the the fundamentals of it are that press photography especially my little kind of corner of it um is a, <laughs> is often an incredibly punishing uh profession to be in in terms of only the work in in that it's it's pretty demanding at times but also that how you're packed in with a group of other photographers often are covering the same assignment and then with the 24-hour news cycle or even faster with online you'll have an almost immediate assessment of who got the best picture from that event which was the best angle what was the most creative image that came out of that and and that that kind of appraisal is it occurs after every job and it's entirely public and the way that uh, a lot of the agencies and the newspapers are all open and and you can see everything online you can see pretty much everyone else's file so you can see what how everyone else approached that job and in comparison to how you did so it comes with a with a weight of pressures on that side the the news side of things it can be incredibly demanding in terms of time pressure so um if a an assignment crops up with a moment's notice and you just have to go and that can be demanding to uh pair that with um a amicable and easy family life as well with two children and a wife and uh, on occasion you know you can't necessarily be around because the job demands it and they you often don't have a lot of warning for that so it's it's not necessarily the easiest job from that side of things but it it also affords you an amazing opportunities i mean in the years in the 15 plus years that i've been a press photographer the amount of anecdotes and opportunities i've had and places i've visited and people i've met has just been mind-blowing really and not something i think i could have possibly achieved in any other profession and then maybe lastly um is that it pays the bills fundamentally it's it is my it has been my passion and hobby since i was about 12 and i feel deeply privileged to continue to find gainful employment within photography um but it's a it's a wonderfully kind of creative profession as well a, a nice blend of technical technology and creativity um which i think is is perhaps in this new era maybe one of the best insulations against ai in that you know it's not a repetitive job by any means and you've got to put your soul really into it 
Thank you, Ollie, for your contribution this week. I think pretty much everything covered in there and a real insight, I think. One of the things I wanted to pick up on, which I thought was an interesting use of a particular word in there in what Ollie was saying, was the use of that word creativity, that idea of creativity within the commissioned environment, the creativity within news telling, storytelling, within that situation where, you know, Ollie doesn't have control over very much, I wouldn't have thought. You know, he as he was explaining, you know, he's he's in a battleground there fighting for the image, and yet he still sees that as a creative practice. And so often I, I think people perceive that idea of photography and creativity only existing within an art-based practice but of course that's not the case and it never has been the case Uh, speaking about um, art-based practice and also i'm thinking a little bit about young photographers i wrote an article um which has gone up on the united nations of photography website in the last week um and it's called um what's your favorite photographer and bizarrely enough i've kind of been putting it out via twitter and facebook and a lot of people just keep kind of responding to the headline and saying well my favorite photographer is this and that's very interesting but doesn't really address the point and kind of showed to me that they weren't reading the article but there you go that's life isn't it but uh, the idea of the article was really be uh, kind of a raising the uh, a question putting a light on the area about um how many young Young photographers really uh, know the history of the medium, know the great photographers that came before them, but also are aware of the contemporary photographers uh, who are doing interesting work at the moment. How engaged are young photographers? And when I mean young photographers, I'm talking about pre-higher education, that, that kind of point i suppose around 16 18 years of age where a lot of people are deciding that they want to then spend the next three or four years at least studying photography with that idea of making it a career or a profession Uh, anyway you might find that interesting so please don't just respond to the headline have a read of the article i think of particular interest if you are involved in photo education in any way or if you've got children who um are involved in photo education are sort of at the at the front line of it you might find that interesting certainly some of the responses i've had to the article have confirmed um what i find uh, in my discussions with young photographers so important that we continue to talk about the past as well as talking about the present of course both both of those things uh, affect the future and that's our future as photographers and it's our medium so maybe something to really get involved with there um i've been talking pretty quickly i think uh, this week i don't know why maybe because it's dry january and uh, i'm off the alcohol it may also be that um, i've given up coffee for the month as well it's a super healthy uh, episode this week well kind of sort of i might even think about going to the gym but that may just be a step too far anyway whatever happens in january and we've got some great stuff coming up over the uh, the coming weeks you know i'm just gonna take care Thank you.